This is Power and Consequence. Welcome back to Power and Consequence, a podcast all about the grifters and liars who profit off of partisan rage and systemic oppression. Uh, but also it's about political operatives who don't even try to hide their intentions as they compromise any semblance of legitimate democracy. And that might be because these are the rare animals who actually believe what they're saying. And it's that rare type that we're going to be discussing today. But first, let us introduce the team. With me, as always, is Jelani. What's up, Jay? Hey, hey, how's it going? It's going well. It's going well. We're still technically a democracy. We still have running water. So, Technically. Technically. <laughs> and joining us once again for this sort of like part 1.5 on states' rights, not quite, is uh, our resident uh, cult expert, Joe. What is up, Joe? How's it going? Uh, you know, the water has just been replaced with Kool-Aid that they've all been drinking, so. That's, that's right. Kool-Aid, but not kool-aid with fluoride so we're okay there exactly no 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 fluoridation that we've known that since the days of bush one all bad brain control so uh before we kick this off uh you know guys i have a question are either of you aware that american patriots used the blockchain to prove that voter fraud occurred in 2020 jay you Did ever heard that one successfully do that no I, I haven't heard of that one jo- joe are you aware of this no, no, I'm not. But the blockchain doesn't prove shit. <laughs> oh, but it does. It does, Joe. And a follow-up question. Have either of you invested in, in the Iraqi currency, the uh, dinar? No. No? No, oh, but I've heard, about, I've heard about that scam. This one you've heard of. Okay, well, you, you Jay, you're missing a golden opportunity, and I promise we're going to circle back to this, okay? I'm, ex- but, I'm very excited. I, I love... Uh, exciting investment opportunities um where i just hand my money to people who i never met before in my life and after this <laughs> i've got a bridge to sell you okay i only accept bitcoin though all right so is this yep, gonna just, be from alaska to russia uh maybe i mean i can see my house from you know or i can see russia from alaska so oh by the way palin's <laughs> running again so that's that's gonna be a fun for, one for, for uh no 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 uh uh congressional seat actually and didn't yeah. she get the the nod from Trump? I believe so. Uh, yeah, she's running for a congressional seat in, in Alaska, actually. Yeah, yeah, she got the nod from Trump, I believe, the kingmaker of the GOP, which is I kind of... I can't believe I used to support her. Well, just just you wait, Joe, because a big bulk of our material today is coming out of 2010. So, oh, yeah, boy, you're going to like this one. So, uh, before we go any further, just a reminder to our super fans out there who haven't already, if you like what we do, feel free to follow the show on Twitter at Consequence Pod. You can follow Jay on Twitter at Stop Talking JV. You can follow me on Twitter at Stop Talking Matt. Uh, stock Joe, because he doesn't have an actual social media presence. So, you know, find him if you can. And uh, also share a link to this show with somebody who you think might get something out of it. We've had a lot, some strong numbers this last week out of Portland, Oregon. So, um, good. Uh, we'll, we'll have to, to do it. I've never been before. I, Portland's dude, it's awesome. Fun. 
I, I, I fucking fun. love Oregon. I I lived in Bend for a year, and I loved going out to Portland whenever I could. I, I, I can say I did enjoy it. I love uh, getting certain donuts at a certain uh, tourist trap. I know it's not the best donuts, but they're the most touristy donuts. And I oh. even had the pleasure. Hmm? No, I've just I've heard of that fight between a certain touristy trap donut place where we live as well. Ah, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Donuts are just uh, delicious. So They, they, well, they are. Put, they, bacon, put candied bacon on donuts and it amps it up to a whole other level yeah yeah anna's gotten me one uh donuts from this place i think it's in fremont is that the one you're talking about because there's one in fremont that is so fucking good i'm talking the good old one in downtown san francisco trying to remember that for robert oh yeah 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 yeah. okay got it i got it got it yeah Anyway, we've gone we've gone far afield. The point is, I love donuts, and shout out to Portland, as Jay said, y'all are great. <laughs> I even had the pleasure of being tear gassed out there very lightly um, during the George Floyd uprisings. I was there for a few days, so uh, observing. I wasn't committing any crimes. Anyone listening? Observing. Yeah, you were an Antifa. I <laughs> secret Antifa cell. <laughs> that would be Soros ironic. Doesn't have his uh, checkbook, dude. I'm. I'm still waiting on that Soros check. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> George, if you're listening, we want our money. We want our Iraqi dinar. Okay. <laughs> so with that, uh, we are just going to get into it today. So like I said, this week was supposed to be part two of States Rights. I am going to go ahead and interject this one in there. This is more like part 1.5 because the person that we're going to talk about today has been a political operative for like 40 years. She has been operating on the on behalf of like, you know, big money um, corporate interests uh, until around 20 or 2008, 2009. And she was at the ground floor of what became popularly known as the Tea Party movement. Um, she was in on the grift. She remained in the grift, and she is a nice case study of an individual who has sort of evolved and gone along from like, like classic Holly uh, or Washington insider to Tea Party person to Trumpist to we're gonna find out what. Yeah, so of course we're talking about Virginia Ginny Thomas. Um, like I said, political activist, operator, grifter, and just so happens to be married to the senior member of the United States Supreme Court, Justice Clarence Thomas. Um, and yeah, you we all know why we're talking about her. So um, the January 6th uh, Congressional Committee has been going through a lot of evidence to see who may have you know, caused uh, an insurrection last year at the U.S. Capitol. And among the troves of evidence that they've been going through uh, is included 29 text messages between uh, Ginny Thomas, who I will just refer to by her first name. I think everyone knows her as Ginny. Between Ginny and then uh, Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows. And oh boy, have you guys read these? I I stayed away as it seems to be the running theme for me. <laughs> like I, I know the headlines, but I stay away. But that's why I do this podcast because it deserves for us to dig in. I, I have not read them myself, but I have heard the things that like NPR have reported on. Yeah, yeah, she's she's uh, she's quite a thing. Um, Jenny is very much on the far right at this point of American politics. And in truth, you know, 
in and of itself, I, at first I thought she wasn't really anything special, you know, in terms of batshit ideas, you know, that she sort of is endeared to. And, but again, what makes her unique is she is married to Clarence Thomas. And a lot of people have some perhaps legitimate concerns that there's a conflict of interest in her, like, extreme political activism and, you know, possible court cases that may show up on the, uh, you know, on the docket for the Supreme Court in the coming months and years. Just, just, I want to quickly recap. Okay. So as I said, former Trump chief of staff, Mark Meadows, right? He was cooperating with the congressional January 6th committee, right? And he turned over a lot of records. And among those records were these text messages between himself and Ginny Thomas. Okay. Then on December 7th of last year, Meadows stops cooperating and Trump asked the Supreme Court, or rather he appealed to the Supreme Court, to block the January 6th committee from accessing National Archives records under the idea of executive privilege. Trump also tried to, in his argument, tried to extend that to anyone who ever worked for him. That would include Mark Meadows, right? Any conversations, any communications. It all falls under, quote, executive privilege, according to Trump, who is no longer the executive, right? Basically, SCOTUS ruled eight to one against that argument. So all those uh, records were released. But can you guess um, who uh, the one dissenting justice was? Was our good old friend and pal, Judge Clarence Thomas. It was. It was, Jay. It was Clarence Thomas to basically no one's surprise. So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So. The fact that, you know, Ginny Thomas's text messages were among the, the, the documents that were already, you know, turned over as evidence to the committee, that right there is a big red flag that Thomas should have recused himself. And that's what all this sort of media attention is about. People are, some people are saying that Thomas should, or Clarence, I should say, should recuse himself from all cases pertaining to January 6th because there is a clear or at least implied conflict of interest because of Ginny and her activism and we don't know how involved she was in these efforts and when you actually read the text messages you know why people are so concerned and Ginny's activism actually has been raised in the past as a reason for uh clarence to recuse himself from certain cases so for example uh jenny reportedly raised over half a million dollars through right-leaning PACs in an effort to fight then president obama's affordable care act That was in 2009, okay? And with that information in hand, another watchdog group, Common Cause, founded in 1970, they requested that Clarence recuse himself from the Citizens United versus FEC case. Clarence did not do this, okay? Even though there's a clear violation because what was his issue was whether or not basically these PACs can do this, right? Doing the thing that Ginny was doing. So he did not recuse himself and he definitely, you know, was... Guess which way he voted on that, right? We It's rhetorical. We already know. So, um, oh, fun fact, actually, by the way, guys. Um, Common Cause, they later reported um, that Clarence failed to declare approximately $686,000 in salary that Ginny received from the Heritage Foundation from 2003 to 2007. He just forgot about almost $700,000 that he's supposed you know, to declare. It happens. I mean, look at Joel Osteen. It, it happens. Yeah. Yeah, 700. it's probably in their wall somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Next to their toilet. No, they've got like six <laughs> bitcoins now, you know? Uh, yeah. And the Heritage Foundation um, 
by the way, publicly challenged the Affordable Care Act, to no one's surprise, and Clarence later submitted an amended declaration, like 18 pages of it, of earnings uh, from the Heritage Foundation and other right-winning organizations that uh, paid Ginny a salary, and he claimed that he just misunderstood the form. That's what he claims. He, 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 he called whoopsie for 20 years. If, if, you, if you are an administrator of justice like that and you have a team of lawyers behind you and you fuck something up like that, that should automatically like get you off the bench. <laughs> like, like, how do you fuck that? How do you use that? Oopsie daisy. You have a team. You're the top judge in the country. You have a team of fucking lawyers behind you. Yeah, I mean, supposedly you are one of the best lawyers, you know? I mean, and and nothing, nothing to take away from the guy. The dude is books... I mean, to say he's book smart is a huge understatement. Yeah, no, it's, bu- it's bullshit. Total bullshit. I just want to use that excuse the next time I get a parking ticket. Whoopsie. I'm, I misunderstood the sign. <laughs> <laughs> is it Tuesday? What? Is it Friday? I mean, what is a Tuesday? Tax day is coming up. Let's use that with the IRS. <laughs> oh, that would be a great idea. And, and and Jay, not only did you misunderstand, but you didn't challenge it for twenty years. You see, right. so there's that too. Uh, another fun fact, by the way, according to the nonprofit Fix the Court, which bills itself as a nonpartisan effort to reform the U.S. Supreme Court, it was founded in 2014. Uh, Clarence has recused himself a total of 54 times for various conflicts since he's been uh, a justice on the bench, right? So 17 of those were because of a conflict with another family member, not his wife, but his son. So one example they give is a case regarding the men-only admission standard of the Virginia Military Institute uh, that was being heard while Clarence's son was a student there. Therefore, he recused himself. So there is precedent for Clarence to recuse himself because of a family member, right? But the finer points of federal law, which I will leave to, you know, lawyers and legal podcasts, are kind of outside my my bailiwick, you know? Oh, like that word, bailiwick? There it is. Mm-hmm. You brought it back. I did. I did. I did. I did. But suffice to say, there's plenty of reasons why justices should and have recused themselves. Usually it has to do with like they've worked on a, they worked for a client that is now before the court or there's a financial interest, you know, um, Kagan, uh, St- uh, Breyer, they, they did it bunches of times. It's not unusual for this to happen. I mean, which, Congress is supposed to do that too, right? Yeah. Well, which is why I call bullshit on the whole, like, you know, occasionally, and or at least in the case of Clarence Thomas, oh, if he recuses himself, there could be a tie, eight eight. And my answer to that is, so what? Yeah, so what? Like justices recuse themselves, it happens. Why is now a time where it's all of a sudden we're so fucking concerned about a tie? You know. Anyways, that's why it's in the news because of that. But while I was looking into this, I realized that, like I said, Jitty is is so much more dangerous of a political operative and it has nothing to do with her husband. Like in her own right, she has done incalculable damage and that's what we're going to look at today. So, you know, uh, you know, Joe, I know, I know you've, you've been somewhat familiar with the tea party. Jay, I don't know how familiar you are with like the tea party originals, 2009 through like, I guess, 20. 13, 14 is when they really started to peter out, I guess, at least in terms of money. So I just want to say that 
I've been voting since I turned 18, and, I've, and this is like every year. I, I don't even skip the little mini and local elections, so I've been very much involved in both local and national politics, or let me not say involved, informed on local and national politics. So I'm that puts, very familiar. That puts this. you way above me, man. <laughs> Same. But, like, yeah, I remember the Tea Party shit way back in the day. Um, and it really petered out, yeah, because the money dried up because they started getting elected. Yeah, pretty much. They got what they wanted, you know? Um, so, yeah, Virginia, Jenny Thomas. Jenny, uh, just a quick bio. She was born in February 23rd, 1957 in Omaha, Nebraska. She earned her bachelor's and a JD from Creighton University, uh, I believe at Omaha, so good for you there. Uh, she was employed by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce from 1985 to 1989, representing the interests of business owners in matters of labor, labor relations on the side of business, working for the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. That is very much hard conservative point of view very pro-business party of business old school gop that's where she got her start it's important that everyone listening understands that okay just as we move forward so uh oh and while working for the chamber of commerce she advocated against the passage of the family medical leave act fmla you know that thing that a lot of people find very good and useful these days for <laughs> reasons yeah, so she lobbied against that on behalf of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Oh, coincidentally, uh, her husband, Clarence, voted to strike that law down in 2003. But he was outvoted 6-3, because it's dumb. So, Go fun figure. fact. Yeah, this is a thing that keeps happening. Yeah, funny, she would lobby against it, and then he would vote against it. Yeah, and it's a question like, where does it start? Where does it end? Is he influencing her? Is she, uh, she, him? I mean, who's to say? So, uh, I, I, you know, as I was digging through it, her, her really awful stuff didn't begin till around two thousand nine, two thousand ten, and that's like I said before, that'll be the bulk of what we go into. But before that, I want to go through quickly the actual text messages, right? That kind of kicked this whole thing off. Okay, from the Boston Globe. All right, so one second here. Let me pull these up. And actually, you know what I'm going to do? I am going to link this in the chat. So you guys feel free to hit that, click that, and read that. So, yeah, so a lot of the uh, text messages, they came from, like, from November to December, and then there's a big old gap. And then, strangely, one, like, right after January 5th. So the... Uh, that first one there, um, we're going to come back to that, I promise. That one's interesting. Um, but things like November 6th, Thomas sends Mark Meadows a text message. Do not concede. It takes time for the army who is gathering for his back. Um, November 10th, Mark, I wanted to text you and tell you for days you're in my prayers. Help this great president stand firm. Mark, you are the leader with him who is standing for America's constitutional governance at the precipice. The majority knows Biden and the left is attempting the greatest heist of our history. That's very Trump language. Uh, let's see, what else? <laughs> Meadows replied one minute later, I'll stand firm. We will fight until there is no fight left. Our country is too precious to give up on. Thanks for all you do. You kind of get the feeling that Meadows is kind of placating her, by the way as you read on oh yeah yeah 
Like, uh, what's it, that? Thanks for all you do. What? Uh huh. Uh huh. It's uh, like these grifters know how to talk to these kinds of people. Yeah, yeah, and, and the fact that Meadows is texting with her at all kind of speaks to her level of access. By the way, uh, Thomas Van Jones spins interestingly, but shows us the balls being juggled too. House and Senate guys are pathetic too. Only four GOP House members seen out in street rallies with grassroots: Gomert, Jordan, Gosser, and Roy. Those are great examples. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it just kind of it goes on like that it's just like a bunch of paranoia again i'll link it as always in the show notes but you can see what's going on. oh this is a good one this is from november 13th uh just forwarded to your email uh to your gmail an email i sent to jared this am she's probably referring to trump Sidney powell and improved coordination now will help ca- the cavalry come and fraud exposed and america saved but her emails yes yes it just it, it goes on and on and on. She's like, and obviously this is before Sydney was getting sued. So my question, I think I asked this last week too. Like, how how the hell did she meet Mark Meadows? <laughs> uh, well, um, uh, we're we're gonna cover that. I promise you. All right. There's it's part of her evolution into what she's become. Oh, and in case anybody listening hasn't read these texts and is wondering uh, how obvious she was about endorsing, like, Sidney Powell and getting towards, like, QAnon conspiracy type shit, this is from November 19th. Mark, don't want to wake you. Sounds like Sydney and her team are getting inundated with evidence of fraud. Make a plan. Release the Kraken and save us from the left taking America down. So, suggestion, you need to buck up your team on the inside, Mark. The lower-level insiders are scared, feel fearful, or sending out signals of hopelessness versus an awareness of the existential threat to America right now. You can buck them up, strengthen their spirits. Uh, You guys fold. The evil just moves fast down underneath you all. Lots of intensifying threats coming to ACB and others. Um, Oh, and commentary, it seems ACB is the initials of Supreme Court Justice Amy Comey, uh, Coney Barrett. So, So yeah. Is she just texting this guy no response (laughs) so there are some responses um keep in mind these are text messages as they were given to the committee from meadow so who knows what he deleted yeah i I, i'm just so amazed just the amount like because all that's within this is just christian nationalism just oozing throughout like you know all of the evil and like you know that 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 whole dichotomy of the good versus evil that, that that's all what ginned up from that Christian nationalism. I also, uh, my favorite message was actually from the 14th, and it says, This war is psychological, a psyop. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> in all caps. Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. They read like they read like Trump tweets. You know, if you if yeah. you actually see them, because I am I am editorializing for our audience. There's a lot of typos and shorthands because they are text messages. But yes, if you go ahead and read these, like the per, if you anybody reading this would be like if, if a friend of yours, right, was just w- just woke you up. If you weren't the fucking whatever, if just somebody complaining about the election, like the next day, like you would think like this person needs help. Like th- this person needs to talk to a doctor immediately. You know. 
Um, and, and then on November 24th, this is probably my favorite part. There's a, there's a bit of an exchange where I think Meadows is trying to back her off. Um, because again, this is like weeks now and anybody with a brain should know that Trump has lost. All right. November 24th, Thomas, if you all cave to the elites, you have to know that many of your 73 million, presumably the 73 million who voted for Trump feel like what Glenn is expressing. And she's referring to Glenn Beck, who made some fucking video on parlor me included. I think I am done with politics and I don't think I am alone. Mark. I feel like that's a little menacing, you know? Like, I feel like, like I God, wish it was I wish. true. Same. I wish it were true. God damn it. <laughs> I mean, you know, and it's a Meadow's response this time. I don't know what you mean by caving to the elites. You know? It, it, I mean, I, and I think Meadows is genuinely confused. Like, we are the elites. We sit at the seat of power. That's, that's us. You know? But, Thomas, I... Oh, so what's up? Oh, I, I was going to quickly say um, the day be, or a couple of days before, uh, Thomas was like, oh, trying to understand the Sidney Powell dis- distancing. Oh, yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She doesn't have anything, or at least she won't share it if she does. And Thomas' <laughs> reply is, wow. Uh, <laughs> but I'm just, what's interesting about that is that Mark Meadows is admitting that privately i don't know how long it took him to say that publicly i i I mean i don't know how quickly any of them necessarily said that publicly but that that would be interesting to see when they actually went on the record i mean it was probably if they did it was probably in like a very vague way that they didn't want to alienate their base Mm because remember trump started kept fundraising after he was out of office for his bullshit cause you know that Mm -hmm. that grift so i have no doubt that if they did say it they didn't say it like super directly unless it was under direct that threat of like we are going to be fucking sued any minute you know well i wonder if they would be on the hook legally you know for fundraising for something that they knew factually was a lie if they admitted it publicly that's uh, that's a good point, but I mean the whole like the the election was stolen thing is so fucking vague that like the, that's why the only reason anyone got in trouble is when they directly accuse like Dominion of of you know working for a long dead Caesar shot or not Caesar um, uh, Hugo Chavez in Venezuela. So that that I, conspiracy wasn't that our conspiracy of the week at one point in time. I think that I think it was. That's that should be the fucking conspiracy of the year. If I'm being honest, this <laughs> this whole episode is a conspiracy of of the decade. Like this is all Ginny Delton, as it turned out, and I had no idea. I mean, that's QAnon. Yeah, and and the thing of it is, is that like Meadows didn't completely dismiss her. Like for example, during that exchange on November 24th, right? This is Meadows. This is a fight of good versus evil. Evil always looks like the victor until the king of kings triumphs. Do not grow weary in well doing. The fight continues. I have staked my career on it. Well, at least my time in DC on it. <laughs> Again, Christian nationalism, right there. Yeah, the, the yep. whole king of king until the king of king triumphs. Yep, you know yep. it. Uh, like, I'm going to do whatever I can, but, you know, oh, if it happens, it happens. Like, kind of washing his hands of it, but... Y- you know you it. Know, still speaking that language to keep the people hypnotized, to keep the money flowing. Yep, and, I mean, speaking of, like, you know, language that can rile up a base, this is the last text message, um, according to the, um, the Boston Globe. Uh, Thomas, 
We are living through what feels like the end of America. Most of us are disgusted with the VP and are in listening mode to see where the fight with our where to fight with our teams. Those who and this is obviously after January 5th. Those uh, uh, or six rather those who attacked the Capitol are not representative of our great teams of patriots for DJT. Amazing times. The end of liberty. So she at least had enough sense to like try to distance herself from the actual literal death that happened at the Capitol. So there's that anyway. <sighs> Anyways, that's Jenny Thomas. In a nutshell. Wow. <laughs> she's just something. She is something, isn't she? She's uh, she's something. So again, that's the most recent version incarnation of of Ginny Thomas. But again, in, in looking in, uh, in preparing this episode, uh, it kind of raised the question, like, was she always this way? Right. Um, and the answer is no, she steadily got worse in my opinion over the course of, uh, 11, 12 years, you know, or maybe she just hit it really well back then. I don't know. But I don't think she was like always like this. So we're going to quickly go through this. So, like I said, uh, we will start with when, you know, Ginny started her more ethically questionable stuff. Uh, and that started with the rise of the Tea Party movement, as I previously said. So traditionally, spouses of Supreme Court justices, they generally avoided vocal public stances on po- politics and policy. Generally. And it is in this way that Ginny stands apart. Because on the other hand, Ginny was at the forefront of the Tea Party movement. And to start us off, here's just a couple of quick uh, excerpts from a panel on the Tea Party movement at CPAC uh, on February 18th of 2010. All right. So here's the panel host, guy named Moylan, introducing Ginny. And then Ginny introduces herself. Now notice, guys, the tone of this intro and notice what is not said here. I would like to start by introducing our first panelist. Ginny Thomas is the founder and president of Liberty Central Incorporated. She has worked as a lawyer for the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, as deputy assistant secretary in the Department of Labor, an aide to former Majority Leader Dick Armey, who you just heard from, and as a liaison to the White House for the Heritage Foundation. She's a graduate of Creighton University and a native of Nebraska, and now resides in the great state of Virginia. Please welcome Ginny Thomas. CPAC, what a pleasure to be with you today. I am an ordinary citizen from Omaha, Nebraska, who just may have the chance to preserve liberty along with you and other people like you. I call this clip, Ginny is being too obvious. An ordinary citizen. <laughs> Here, here's my whole pedigree. Don't mind my pedigree. I'm just an ordinary citizen. Also, the one thing no one mentioned is that she is married to fucking Justice Clarence Thomas. I think if you're going to give out her fucking credos as like somebody who's connected, which at that point, early 2010, was okay, right? Or at least Moylan thought was okay, then you might as well mention that because that that does give you some cred. Clarence Thomas was the darling of the conservatives like then and now, you know? I wonder if they were under contract not to mention that or make because you know again appear you know at that time appearances still mattered. True, that is true. 
It's like they, they actually worried back then. And that is one of the reasons why justices recuse themselves. It doesn't even have to technically be a conflict. It just has to be a strong appearance that there could be a conflict, because that's the point. Um, you know, people have to have confidence in the court. So, yeah, I mean, they, they're really hammering the whole, like, oh, I'm just a concerned conservative citizen, you know, and, and the whole we are facing an existential threat thing, you know, like that's a that's a huge thing with these guys. So Ginny keeps on hammering on the anti-elite rhetoric through like this these comments she makes during her appearance. It's not that long. And she basically admits that she is a longtime Washington insider. And we are in the midst, as Dick Army just said, we heard backstage of historic times. What we're all doing in the next few weeks months and years will result in one national decision over whether we want to be self-governed because of a document that has real meaning and truth and starts with three simple words, we the people, or whether we will surrender to being ruled by a vigorous government our founders would never have recognized, filled with arrogant elites who think they know how to micromanage our lives from cradle to grave. Over the last 30 years, I have worked and struggled inside this Washington Beltway waiting for you people to show up. As a committed conservative from Nebraska, for the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, for Majority Leader Dick Army, for the Heritage Foundation, Hillsdale College in Washington, and other places, now I have felt called to the front lines with you, with my fellow citizens, to preserve what made America great. Future generations deserve the opportunities, the prosperity, the freedom, the security that we have come to know. Jay, Jay, I saw the eyebrows go up. Any, any, any takeaways right off the bat? I mean, we just we heard a familiar phrase a little earlier, uh, and then this idea <laughs> that she said she's been like working on this by herself. Meanwhile. She's with the American Heritage Foundation. She's literally speaking at CPAC. Like, what? Yeah, yeah. Worked for the U.S. <laughs> Chamber of Commerce. Married. Oh, yeah. She's uh, working for the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, and she has the ear of United States Supreme Court Justice. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. I just, and yes, a Make America Great. You know, I... My ears perked up when I heard that one. And because, you know, I was naive. I didn't realize they were trying to make that a thing before Trump just went in there and just fucking went full in there. You know, I had no, I really didn't know. Wasn't well, it a thing from the Reagan years? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. It's actually even before Reagan. Reagan stole it from somebody else. <laughs> yeah. 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 But the thing of it was, is like, I, I, so I thought it went like, you know, early 20th century, then Reagan, then Trump. I didn't realize there was this nascent kind of like early Tea Party moment where they were trying to make that thing, you know, like Mean Girls. It's like trying to make fetch a thing, you know, a little pop culture reference there for you. Yeah, yeah. There, there was a bunch of things that they were trying to make a thing throughout the Tea Party years, but nothing really stuck. I think the thing that <laughs> sucked the most was the, you know, the the attacks within the Republican Party calling other people rhinos. Mm -hmm. yeah 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 for sure for sure i remember that everyone's a, if you don't agree with them you're a rhino but yes um 
that there's an obvious problem here with what she's saying, right? She's talking, she's doing the let's let's challenge the elite, um, uh, the the old GOP because they're not doing enough. But as she admitted, she worked for the Heritage Foundation. Um, oh, and by the way, you know what her job was when she worked at the Heritage Foundation? She was the liaison to George W. Bush in the White House. So her job was to deal with Bush. That was her job. I'm just trying to, like, how is any of this legal? <laughs> I think that's oh, the real problem. God. And, and maybe that's what we as a country need to look at. Like, how can a Supreme Court justice wife have influence in the White House? That should just shouldn't be allowed. We're supposed to separate all these things. And granted, like, I'll be the first to say that, you know, someone's wife doesn't control what they think, say, and do. But when someone's this extreme, their husband has to know and has to be some level of okay with it. Otherwise, they wouldn't be married. Because <laughs> I wouldn't be married to someone who's that extreme. Yeah, and yeah. I obviously don't think that well. <laughs> well, what? I mean, one can argue that we haven't lived in a democracy since, what was it, Buckley v. Uh, Vallejo? What was that uh, case that essentially... Uh, said that money was speech and then there were citizens oh, united in citizens 2010 united, that, yeah. well there's citizens united in 2010 that lit that lit that on fire that mm-hmm. said that corporations could give unlimited amount but uh buckley i think it was buckley v vallejo that allowed for uh money to be considered speech yeah 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 and 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 if you think about it like it kind of ma- it makes me sort of think about like the idea that the crypto bros try to sell the idea that like oh you know crypto is more fair because it's not a centralized bank and stuff like that but as we now know it requires like to create to add to the blockchain you need bigger supercomputers and to have bigger supercomputers you need actual money to create the supercomputers which means unless you were in on the ground floor if you don't have the capital to get right in there and create your bank of supercomputers, you're not going to dominate the market. So it's exactly the same thing as we had before, only now it's more of a multi-level marketing scheme with the NFTs. You know? Also, exactly. governments control the power. And so that too. all you have to do is coordinate for like 10 days and you're poor again. <laughs> it's like, whoops, the hard drives were wiped. Fancy that. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's 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 all bullshit. And um, oh, I might add for our listeners, um, the Heritage Foundation was co-founded by a gentleman by the name of Paul Weirich. Uh, Paul Weirich infamously said this about voting in 1980 during a speech to a bunch of um, holy men in uh, Texas. Now, many of our Christians have what I call the goo goo syndrome good government. They want everybody to vote. I don't want everybody to vote. Elections are not won by a majority of people. They never have been from the beginning of our country, and they are not now. As a matter of fact, our leverage in the elections quite candidly goes up as the voting populace goes down. Whoops. In 1980, you say? Yep. That is the father of Christian nationalism right there. He goddamn right he is, Joe. That dude was there from Jump Street. Yes. And he's basically saying that voter suppression works in favor of conservatives. I wonder why. Yeah, it's almost like there's certain people who always got oppressed. So, excuse me. So, yeah, that's the Heritage Foundation that... 
Ginny was attached to then, and to some extent, it never stopped being attached to. So, yeah, that didn't age well. Um, and now, I love this next one because this next one uh, kind of, you know, Ginny leaves no doubt as to where her allegiances lie, okay? And how she chooses to leverage her political uh, capital. Not to mention, she reminds us all that Tea Party folks, all right, everybody, they are uh, marketed themselves as victims of oppression. I have come to know and love the Tea Party Patriots. It has been a privilege to become a bit of an ambassador of sorts for the national board of the national of the Tea Party Patriots, who I adore. I adore all the new citizen patriots who are rising up across this country, and I am happy to help show you the ropes in the Washington area because we need help. Don't you love their passion, their dedication, their tenacity, their creativity, their entrepreneurial spirit and patriotism? And how about those homemade signs? I know that this country and all our freedoms have been preserved by ordinary people throughout our country's history. They have felt, ordinary people have felt called to serve our, serve our country in battle, in public service, in communities, in families, and in this nation. It happened in our Revolutionary War, it happened in our Civil War, it happened in civil strifes like the Civil Rights Movement, in the Women's Suffrage Movement, and it's happening today with you and I. Ooh, probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Whoops. I don't even got nothing to say to these people, man. <laughs> hey, the victim mentality, it's such a real thing. Like, I mean... Like if you if things aren't going exactly the way that you would want them to go for yourself, then you are perpetually a victim. Yep. And once again, this is a conservative who is trying to establish an imaginary unbroken line of the struggle for civil rights in the United States directly relating the American Revolution to women's voting rights, to the civil rights movement, all the way to these Tea Party nutjobs. That statement implies that they are all of the same people, all cut from the same ideological cloth. Okay? So, it also implies that they don't understand history. Right. First of all, no. Like, not even close. All right? And it also kind of betrays a piece of their propaganda, okay? So, if the Tea Party Patriots are part of a clear linear tradition of struggle dating back to the founding of this nation, then when exactly was the nation great? You see what I'm saying? Like, if we were, all, if they're part of the same struggle that has been happening this entire time, then how could the nation have been great at any time? There you go with your logic. I... You, but, sense. But what's what I'm saying? Look, if the right, if the United States was great at any point, then one or all of these movements would be a violation of a uh, of a supposedly great society. You can't have it both ways. Because if it was great, then uh, you know why why were you rebelling? Also, I know we were all thinking it, but uh, Jenny from 2010 and Jenny now, fuck you for comparing yourself to oppressed people who fought and died for the right to cast a vote or go to school or swim in a fucking swimming pool. Okay, this, f fuck you. All right, that's 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 oh god, such a misrepresentation, mis 
representation of, of history. It, it just, I, I cannot believe they raised millions of dollars off this. Unbelievable. Seriously. But to go back to your original question, like, it all depends on your definition of great. You know, when, when, what make America great again means that definition of great is great for who? Great for the, you know, the white men. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's like it's like you know oh it was founded on this, founded on that. It's like, it's like you couldn't vote when they founded it, you know. And it's not to say that it's not great for white men now either. Mm-hmm. Yep. But that's okay. Um, oh, and you remember how I mentioned that she worked for the U.S. Chamber of Commerce? Well, that is a lobbying group that was formed in the early 20th century. One of the oldest ones, 1910. And it is a fucking powerhouse, okay? Its annual budget is somewhere in the area of $175 million, all right? And that, that's not counting, like, the all the other things that they're affiliated with, right? So Ginny also, by the way, during this speech, she reminds the audience what this is all about, right? Without meaning to say so, which is generating a mailing list for her dumbass cookie cutter tea party group. LibertyCentral.org is going to be our 501c4 that will officially launch in April as an online resource for informing, activating, and motivating everyday citizens around core founding principles. We're just in, we're going to be in the fight with you. There's a lot of us doing the same kind of thing, but we're going to try to raise our voice and help you out. Our motto will be preserving liberty with informed action. I have a small team of the best and brightest I can find. We're growing fast, and we want to help connect new activists with existing online resources. Spoiler alert, they only lasted about a year and a half, two years stops. Liberty Central, Jay. Liberty Central. Give them your email address. Once again, I don't understand how people aren't more alarmed that (laughs) the wife of a Supreme Court justice is i mean it's one thing for her to be politically involved and active but just in the ways she is and basically advocating for removing rights from people um you should just be alarmed yeah yeah she was on the cutting edge of what was barely acceptable of hard right politics in america you know then and now and also oh by the way so uh jenny you know she goes on right and Ginny claims that this this group, Liberty Central, which again only lasted a couple of years, uh, if that, uh, they were they're going to release polling data later that day. I, d- I didn't look it up because I don't I don't care. Um, after her speech, that shows that there are 57 million potential conservative activists just waiting to be indoctrinated by the Tea Party citizen activists. Right? She uses this term a lot, citizen activist. I like that because I feel like that's reminiscent of the of the term citizen soldier. Which is like, you're getting back to like the revolutionary days, you know, that's what they're called, citizen soldiers and shit like that. So it's like calling it a war by any other name, you know, a lot of a lot of this war shit. So she I talks. Mean, they love their war and they they loved their war analogies and all that shit. They love them. They love them. And, you know, uh, and along with her, her 57 million potential conservative activists, uh, she then complains, and this is actually pretty funny considering it's coming from her. She complains that special interest lobbyists are the only ones who can understand uh, these legal bills. And then she gives Fox News consumers a pat on the back for being so goddamn smart. We have found that the mainstream media just hasn't been telling the truth about the new citizen activists. And we're here to correct the record. 
You know, I just want to say, people say people are frustrated out there. Well, politicians aren't listening to citizens. They're not reading the bills. They're writing legislation in techno jargon so that only special interest lobbyists can understand these things. We want to be heard, and we want the system to work, right? Is that so hard? The mainstream media, one of the things we learned is that the new citizen activists are better consumers of the three networks than the rest of America. They're just discerning and they reject the things that are coming there and they go for the internet and Fox News and talk radio. So we, we, did we catch that? They're smart. They're more discerning. Just, I want to know what techno jargon is. Uh, I remember <laughs> that, that term from way back then, and I was like, what the fuck are y'all talking about? Like, yeah, yeah. Tell me. <laughs> it's, it's that fake populism, you know? This, uh, she's rebranding herself, because again, she is a DC insider. It's, she's, at that point, she'd been doing it for like 25 years, right? So she's trying to rebrand herself like she's not a lawyer, which she is, which means she completely understands everything. And by the way, she's complaining about special interest lobbyists. She is a special interest lobbyist. She's been a full-time lobbyist for her entire working life, practically. Okay. Uh, there was a few times when she was working directly for, you know, um, U.S. representatives and stuff like that. But in effect, it's basically the same thing. You know, you're lobbying on behalf of policy. Once again, I feel like at the bare minimum, the wife of a Supreme Court justice should not be allowed <laughs> to privately lobby. Like, okay, go out and say whatever you want on TV, blah, blah, blah. But to privately lobby, like you have influence and people know that you're the wife of a Supreme Court justice. <laughs> yeah, the longest, the senior, the longest serving one, you know. It, it's it and, and I you know I get it and you know I can I can hear it coming through when you say it Jay it's no one saying that people can't have their own lives but this is clearly a conflict of interest clearly <laughs> you know like like you know a, a lesser example is like if you're if you want to be a government employee if you want to work for whatever uh, agency and you you're otherwise qualified and let's say um, you're okay, but your spouse ha is like a million dollars in debt to a Vegas bookie. Well, there's an area where you can be compromised, you see? And you probably are not going to get that job. You know? It, and I get it. It's also, hard because... as someone who works for the U.S. government, you, you can't politically lobby. <laughs> like, you can't. Yes! Yes! You can't. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Exactly. It's you know what it makes me think of. I, I think of Clarence Thomas and Ginny Thomas. They're like the human embodiment of like, you know, you have like a technical nonprofit like the Heritage Foundation, and then you have a legally separate entity, Heritage Action, which is you know you know what I'm saying for legal reasons they they do like the 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 political um, endorsements and donations to PACs and things like that because mm -hmm. Heritage Foundation doesn't want to lose their 501c3 or c4 status you know mm -hmm. that's what they are he is a you know he's one thing she's another it's legal but it's pretty fucking awful so and yeah that's the thing like I I had no idea that she's been this problematic for like over a decade you know people are just this is just the re most recent iteration of it. You know, and God knows how many more of them there are. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, okay. So, and <laughs> you know, 
Oh, oh, by the way, fun fact uh, about the Heritage Foundation, all kinds of things I tripped across of while I was prepping for this uh, episode. You want to know uh, who else co-founded the Heritage Foundation? A guy by the name of Joseph Coors. You ever had a beer? Not, not from Coors Light, Coors. Yes, yes. <laughs> the, the original beer baron himself, Joseph Coors. He, so Joseph Coors, for those of you who don't know, he was front and center in developing pro-business Christian propaganda to counter the effects of FDR's New Deal in the mid-20th century. He was one of those guys. Wow. It's weird, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, <laughs> I, just, I just thought I'd throw that one in there. I thought that was kind of neat. I don't drink Coors anyway, just not my thing, but whatever. <laughs> so... Yeah, so before we go any further, by the way, guys, uh, I also want to point out that outside of right-wing propaganda circuits, okay, uh, Ginny is a horrible person just in her own right. So, um, reminder to the listeners that Clarence Thomas's appointment hearings back in 1991 included testimony from one Anita Hill, who accused Clarence of sexually harassing her on more than one occasion while they worked together, okay? So... You know, uh, obviously Clarence got his appointment anyway, but 19 years later, again in 2010, Ginny decided she would leave a voicemail for Anita Hill requesting an apology from her. Okay, so a couple of uh, major news outlets actually heard the voicemail itself, and this is a little transcript. So this is the this is reportedly the message that uh, Ginny left for Anita Hill. Quote: <clears throat> Good morning, Anita Hill. It's Ginny Thomas. I just wanted to reach across the airwaves in the years and ask you to consider something. I would love you to consider an apology sometime and some full explanation of why you did what you did with my husband. So give it some thought and certainly pray on this and hope that one day you will help us understand why you did what you did. Okay, have a good day. End quote. I just think the choice of words is very interesting there. I I don't like to read into things, but I just want to say the choice of words is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yep. All I got to say is the balls on this woman. Oh, yeah. St- fucking steel-plated ovaries on Jenny Thomas, dude. That is unbelievably fucked up. Unbelievable. Now, didn't, didn't Anita Hill come back into the news around then? I remember there was another movement to try and get uh, Thomas removed or, or just make a big deal about the uh, sexual harassment claims. I thought that was around the Kavanaugh hearing. No, I think, was there a movie or something released? I think something happened. Well, the movie was relatively recently, and I do, well, so when that voicemail was left, it was, it, it made major newspapers, like, basically as it happened. Um it, uh, in 2010, I believe the um, the actual voicemail was left on, let's see, uh, October 9th of 2010. And the, the articles, you know, hit the papers like not too long after. So it could have been related if, that, if that's the iteration you're talking about. Uh, the film Confirmation came out in 2016. Yeah, and I, I'm thinking there's another film in 2013. Man, it's we're old. <laughs> yeah that's all right no we're, we're in our prime baby it's okay we are we are just young enough where we're going to end our days seeing the earth reduced to like a, just a ball of brown dust so these are <laughs> great times we live in you know and that, that's my climate change uh commentary for the for the week 
Yeah, so that that voicemail, like I said, 2010, that timing is interesting. It's almost like Ginny's public profile was rising and the Tea Party money was on the line and maybe she was working to improve her image, you know, maybe, maybe. Like she's a grifter who grifts. (laughs) Just saying. So, yeah, that speech we were just hearing excerpts from, that was from February of 2010, I believe February 18th. And... I thought to myself, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe that's a one-off because that was pretty bad, right? And she was only talking for like 10 minutes, you know, maybe that was just her playing to the CPAC audience, right? And maybe Ginny doesn't rile up the reactionary base everywhere she went like some right-wing grifting establishment operative, but oh wait, oh wait, looky here, we've got another speech. This one was longer. This is from August 27th of 2010, so just a few months later, right? Ginny spoke at something called the Steamboat Institute. Yes, the Steamboat Institute. Now, what pray tell, guys? Yeah, 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 yeah. You might have. What pray tell is the Steamboat Institute? Well, it was founded in 2008, no surprise, uh, and it was part of the State Policy Network. Now, the State Policy Network consists of over 160 member organizations across all 50 states. They're a patchwork of conservative, quote-unquote, think tanks, and they're directly linked to the American Legislative Exchange Council, or ALEC, responsible for helping, uh, you know, sort of push forward model bills for conservative... Yes, yes, you're familiar with this, right? The the all ALEC and the State Policy mm-hmm. Network. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that's what that's what they are. I believe they're both based in Colorado and again, directly linked to Alec. Oh, and guess who one of the founders of Alec was? Paul Weirich again. Yes. <laughs> People's tentacles are just everywhere. And that's why all shitty bills lead to Alec. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a Hydra. So. Yeah, uh, this is from the um, Steamboat Institute, uh, direct from their website, their about page. Quote, the Steamboat Institute promotes America's first, not America first, but America's first principles and inspires active involvement in the defense of liberty. We stand for the following five founding principles. Number one, limited government. Number two, limited tasks and fiscal responsibility. Number three, free market capitalism. Number four, strong national defense. Number five, individual rights and responsibilities. Very cookie cutter fucking tea party shit they want to do what they want to do they don't want to pay taxes and they damn sure don't want to pay for anyone's medical care that's pretty much it so this next set of clips right this was taken from that speech uh jenny's speech at the steamboat institute's annual conference so i pulled a few clips to kind of for one just to show that there's a pattern to this i looked at a lot of her speeches they basically all play out like this but these ones are interesting because it demonstrates that some rhetoric just doesn't age well okay but no one seems to ever remember that. So I want to remind us all. So I assure all of you, Ginny Thomas was as bad as they came when it came to demagoguery back in those days. And she's only gotten worse now. It's actually interesting to see the difference. So Ginny starts with a folksy parable about the golden goose that's supposed to represent the lost magic of late capitalism that totally worked all the time until rogue actors apparently came along and screwed it up for all of us. A man and his wife owned a very special goose. Every day the goose would lay a golden egg, which made the couple very rich. 
Just think, said the man's wife, if we could have all the golden eggs that are inside this goose, we could be richer than ever. You're right, said the husband. We wouldn't have to wait for the goose to lay her egg every day. So the couple killed the goose and cut her open, only to find that she was like every other goose. She had no golden eggs inside of her at all, and they had no more golden eggs. I know that I am speaking to the choir today, but our friends, coworkers, and neighbors have had a false hope that America as we have come to know it will continue to be our golden goose. Collectively, we have paid too little attention to the founding principles that made this country great. We've used, in the, if the business community were here in mass, we know we could look at them and say, they have used government to hurt the, the principle at stake, free enterprise. They've looked for short-term profit over the idea of sustaining the free market system. And we could go on and on. We're all guilty of taking it for granted and looking for the short-term payoff at the expense of the golden goose. So that was a lot, but if she... The the mental gymnastics are quite interesting. <laughs> I was just like, what the fuck is she going on about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, how do people stay awake when these people talk? Uh, and oh, yeah. Like, no disrespect to her. She Like, I felt like it was like my mom reading me a childhood story. And, except <laughs> one that doesn't make any sense. And yeah. I feel like as a child, I would have been like, Mom, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I so my here's my takeaway was basically Ginny the Washington insider is trying to justify why people should listen to her, right? And she set while she sells this revolt against Washington type of rhetoric, right? Um, because you heard what she said, like, basically what I got from that was the free market does work, thus justifying all the work she's been doing in Washington for decades, right? But some businesses who she doesn't name uh, have been taking advantage of government. Okay. So it's the government's fault to screw with the free market. So everything that's going wrong, because keep in mind, this is coming two years off of a huge financial meltdown. They have to work this in to their rhetoric. They can't just act like that didn't happen. So instead they're going to pretend like everything was going fine until some rogue businesses fucked up by colluding with government. That's basically how she's retconning herself. You see, she she's making it seem like everything she did good, she wasn't part of the problem, which she very much was. Like that last part, right? We are all guilty. That's convenient. If everyone's guilty, then she can't be held up as an example of the types of lobbyists who allowed this supposed derailing of this perpetuous prosperity of the United States. Right. And obviously this whole tack that she's taking begs the question, was the U.S. system so prosperous and wonderful? Right. And it goes back to what we're saying. Depends on who you fucking ask. Right. Right. So, yeah. So that's and in case the audience. Right. Had any doubt. Right. Jimmy. Uh, excuse me. Ginny makes it explicit. Right. That this crisis, this is different, everybody. OK, we're, we're, we're facing different crisis right now. And this has nothing to do with what she enabled over the last few decades. And you should all be really fucking scared. As was mentioned, I've spent over 30 years in Washington, D.C. after the magnet of Ronald Reagan's campaign pulled me from Nebraska to that capital when I was in my 20s. 
I've been devoted to the small government free enterprise agenda since then. I just want to pause there. Yeah, I love how she's doing that. She's just like, oh, I'm just an innocent farm person from Nebraska. I'm one of you, you know? They always do that shit. Like, uh, I'm simple. I'm not collecting $700,000. It's like, what is that? Like, folkism or something like that, where they really try to, like, look at me. I'm just a total normal, ordinary person. You know, I don't have millions of dollars that I get from backroom deals or from being shady. Yeah, yeah. She's like, I'm I'm Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz. I'm not I'm not the fucking man behind the curtain. I'm not the wizard. I'm I'm going on behalf of the farmers and shit. Or or I, I'm not quite sure what she's trying to do there, but it it's it's quite obvious she's pandering to a certain type. Because again, she she's in uh, Colorado, I'm pretty sure. So through both victories and defeats on various battles in Washington, I have learned the way Washington works. I know it's games, I know it's broken, I know it's disconnected from the people, and I know we can make a difference. Pausing again. Once again, she's she's establishing credibility. She knows how Washington works, but Washington's broken. See, it wasn't broken when she started during Reagan, but it's broken now, guys, okay? Now it's broken. If we were witnessing the typical back and forth policy battles that happened in the 80s when I started there or before, I would not have left the great job with Hillsdale College that I was doing, setting up programming in the Washington area for that great school doing great things and teaching the Constitution. But what is happening, and this gets to the bad news, in Washington is far different than anything I've ever seen and you've ever seen. It's far different than anything the audience has ever seen, according to the person speaking directly at them. <laughs> yeah. It's always yeah. the thing. This is always the worst of times, and everything is far different than it was before. If, if you're just paying attention to, like, the rhetoric and, like, like the people that she's trying to, or she's speaking to, like, it's very convenient how they treat the Bible and the Constitution the same, and yet haven't read either. I, I've and I cut out a lot of that because she's talking for like forty-five minutes. I couldn't do it all. There's a lot of Bible and God references and the origin of the United States and all this shit. And like, it's nothing we haven't heard before. But I, it, again. It, and like the Bible, it's all very, very specific, very, very convenient interpretations that these people pick and then propagate that excuses what they do and gets the attention off of them So they by condemning other people. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That's her whole speech is that there's this is a new threat that's never been faced before and they have to fight against it. And by they have to fight against it, she means you have to give me your contact information for my stupid ass website so i can sell it because that's really what this is all about i and it just as an aside by the way uh, about hillsdale college um it was founded in 1844 by abolitionist baptists it's been around for a long while so good for them right but here's a fun thing since the year 2000 the current president is a man named larry arne since 2002, Larry Arne has been a trustee on the board of Guess Which Think Tank. Could it be the Heritage Foundation? Heritage Foundation, baby. <laughs> you beat me to it. You know it. Yes. I'm not suggesting conspiracy. I'm only pointing out 
that the same people are literally invested in multiple organizations that have a very specific set of policy goals. Okay. I'm just pointing that out. And that is why I was able to completely guess that and pull that out of my ass. <laughs> I mean, you had a one in three shot, you know. Also, um, you know, again, Ginny wants the audience to remember that they are the face of an existential threat, right? You know, this is the beginning of the conservative rebranding as victims, right? You know, of the out of control hard left. And um, I will reiterate, this all happened coincidentally after the first black man was elected president of the United States, like all this shit kicked up in 2008, but I'm sure that's just a big coincidence and in no way riled up the base to which Ginny was appealing. Just pointing that out. And also to be clear, I don't, I don't want anybody to misunderstand me. I'm not saying that a black man was elected president and all of a sudden this happened. I would guess it's more likely that a black man was elected president and Washington insiders like Ginny understood polling data and understood um, systemic racism and knew, hey, we can make a lot of money off this, you know, and advance our agenda because half of us, half of us are fucking racist anyway. So whatever, you know, that's that's it was probably more convenience than like react 50 uh, 50. Convenience and reaction, probably. That's just my take. So, yeah. Ginny makes clear uh, that her audience, uh, she and her audience are so smart for seeing this existential danger, by the way. And furthermore, she reminds the audience that the United States has lost its way, guys. And invoking a certain idea that will dominate the reactionary right, you know, uh, in, in decades to come. We are living in a diminished state of liberty right now. And freedom has never been this fragile. And you either see what I'm seeing and talking about, or you don't see it at all, and you're oblivious to it. Have you noticed that among the people you interact with? So just to be clear, if you noticed it, good. If not, you're stupid. <laughs> I just, I, like I said, once again, it's always the end of times. <laughs> One way to win people over is to make them feel superior than others. Yep. Yep. So yeah, it's it's the it's the apocalypse <laughs> or something. I don't know. The rapture. Killing the goose that laid the golden egg. We have taken its feathers. We've taken its fat. We've taken a lot of the meat and I'm afraid we're down to the bones now. Just a comment like that that's a different metaphor now because if we're going to save the goose that <laughs> laid the golden egg <laughs> it seems like we already ate him. Right? Yeah, so like if it, once it's dead there's no more eggs it doesn't matter what else you take from it yeah you said we were saving the golden goose now you're saying that we very efficiently used all the parts of it you know <laughs> I, I i i mean i don't know our founders set up a constitutional system of rights and responsibilities that they bled and died for a system that protects us from a government that becomes too intrusive and domineering while preserving adequate room for civil society, for our churches, for our families, for our communities to guide our own destinies and live our own lives. So to recap, the founders set up a constitutional system that they bled and died for, and it provided adequate room for us to control our own destinies and live our own lives. Obvious problem with that take. <laughs> Um, should someone remind uh, this lawyer that the founders created a government that would not allow her to vote, 
own property or marry Clarence Thomas? <laughs> saying. Just saying. She wants, she wants to take the country back to when it was great. She does. She does, Jay. You're absolutely right. Loving V Virginia can go fuck itself or something. I, <laughs> you know, I mean, people, and I, I know that's a bit of a cheap shot, but considering that Clarence Thomas is a Supreme Court justice, I think it's fair. But yeah, that, uh, like we said, that golden goose parable kind of fell apart. Um, and uh, oh, real quick, I just wanted to include this, by the way. Um, uh, an example of Ginny using Christian nationalism, Reaganism, anti-communism, and a meme to make a rhetorical point regardless of whether or not it's accurate. And I will tell you right now, it wasn't. In our next election, our generation, you and I and the people we talk to, will be able to decide whether we're going to be self-governed as the founders intended with the rights coming from God because of our humanity or if our rights are loaned to the government and ruled by an elite in Washington that thinks they know better. That's the question over all these policy battles, whether we'll be self-governed or ruled. And it's our generation that's going to answer that question, my friends. Ronald Reagan said socialism only works in two places, heaven where they don't need it and hell where they already have it. So there's a few pieces to that couple pieces to that right we can we can we can take this piece by piece go for it i i have just a question I, <laughs> about her last statement but go let's no start, no let's start start, start, start with that <laughs> no 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 start start with reagan we'll come back we'll come back what are you, you talking about reagan well the the quote from reagan saying that socialism works in heaven where they don't need it there, but they don't yeah, need well, it but it works <laughs> or or in or in hell where they already have it Right. <laughs> yes yes joe joe this one you might have run across this one in reddit threads in your in your um in your tea party days joe this one really jumped on the scene a lot in 2016 actually so that might have been after your time but have you ever you yeah, ever heard this yeah, one just, no no that's a new one to me okay okay well we're gonna circle back to that one i promise you I, I i couldn't help myself i had to look into that one but that first part you know the idea of like government granted rights versus god given rights i mean like i mean she's setting the tone you know right there our rights are derived from god presumably the christian god not granted through a secular government that's a well, big yeah, state that's a big statement <laughs> the, the, the argument is that it's, uh, they're under the constitution that our rights are endowed by our creator Right, right, and without you know, understanding it, the language of what that means. Not to mention, it's like it, it's just as likely that the founders were paying lip, and also in the preamble, not the fucking actual laws that yeah, they exact. wrote. Yeah, exactly. But it's all semantics. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is. But it's it's just as likely that they were like, oh shit, we should probably throw some God stuff in there, just because got to cover our bases, you know. But maybe I'm giving them too much credit. You know, maybe this is exactly what they intended. Probably not, though. So, okay. Getting back to the Reagan quote, Jay, I think you're going to like this because I dug in on this one just again because I couldn't help myself. I'm ready for it. I had a feeling that that wasn't right. I just had a feeling. Okay. That she misquoted him? No. Oh, it's better than that. So we're going to take a little aside here. Okay. We're going to go on a journey in, in history. We're going all the way back to 1935. Okay, so basically that quote, it is a meme, right? And Reagan, 
did not say that. It is a common misattribution, okay? He did say something similar to that in 1983, okay? But he was talking about communism as it relates to Christianity and the free market, okay? Because obviously communism makes more sense in 83 than it does in 2010. Now, fortunately, I actually found that particular set of remarks. So what they're referring to are remarks that Reagan made on June 22nd of 1983. Reagan was speaking at the National Conference of the National Federation of Independent Businesses. Now, before I get to the remarks, I just want to point this out. The National Federation of Independent Businesses, which was founded in 1943, was also connected to the Tea Party. In 2010, 25 of its Republican members were elected to the 112th Congress, including Rand Paul, Christy Nome, Jeff Duncan, and Paul Gosser. So, once again, and I'm pretty sure they all knew Paul Weirich, too, is my guess. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I just want to point that out. But back to the Reagan remarks, I want to read a couple of passages to give a little bit of context here. And here we go. Bear with me real quick. All right. So this, again, this is Reagan speaking to that, that national independent business uh, fucking thing. So <clears throat> uh, the truth is, before I'm not, uh, should I try to do a Reagan? I'm not going to do a Reagan. Okay. Uh, the truth is, before entrepreneurs can take, they must give. And business begins with giving. And I believe business works best, creates the greatest wealth, and produces the most progress for all when we're free to follow the teachings of Scripture. Give and you will be given unto. Search and you will find. Cast your bread upon the waters and it will return to you many fold. So that's what he's getting at. Okay. He's full on being like, good business is godliness, is Christian godliness. Okay. Now I'm going to get skip forward a little bit. He talks about the principles of wealth. He tells a bullshit story about George Washington Car- Carver, which is definitely not true. And then he gets to the part that everybody uh, misattributes. Okay. Quote, the principles of wealth creation transcend time, people, and place. Governments which deliberately subvert them by denouncing God, smothering faith, destroying freedom, and confiscating wealth have impoverished their people. Communism only works in heaven where they don't need it and in hell where they already got it. That's what he said. That's what he said. Everybody updated it in the 21st century for socialism because communism doesn't work as well as a scare word, right? We don't give a shit. And people are too dumb to go look it up. That is correct. This took me 30 minutes. Well, and like, I mean, to what you're saying, like these two, these people, socialism is synonymous with communism. The two terms are interchangeable, you know, not understanding that these terms actually have real definitions that you can look up. Yep. Also, uh, communism in and of itself can be considered a government system, whereas socialism, strictly speaking, is an economic system, which is why you can have, say, a democratic socialist. You can also have an autocratic socialist. You see, that is the point, you know, but but here's the here's the best part, guys. Here's the best part. You remember we were talking about how um, Reagan was didn't didn't create, you know, make America great again. He also Mm -hmm. stole that remark, too, if you can believe that. So that remark, yeah, that remark made the rounds in American politics through the through the mid 20th century. But it is most 
uh, commonly linked in its most uh, in its earliest form to um, it's actually written by uh, a Canadian economist by the name of Stephen Leacock. Uh, yeah, in 1935 in the Canadian Journal of Economics and Political Science, the uh, the February issue. So uh, the phrase that they have adjusted today uh, originally read as such. Uh, this socialism, this communism would work only in heaven where they don't need it or in hell where they already have it. And the title of that article is what's left of Adam uh, Smith, referring to Adam Smith, who wrote, you know, Wealth of Nations. So, yeah, it actually comes from that guy. And to be clear, Leacock wasn't a fan of socialism. That that that's a fair assessment. But he also wasn't a fan of laissez faire capitalism either. Okay, he was a centrist, right? So on social justice, he was actually in favor of helping those most vulnerable and doing away with the uh, capitalist belief of the free market. In 1920, he wrote this, quote, Hitherto, we have been hampered at every turn by the supposed uh, obstacle of immutable economic laws. The theory of natural wages and prices of a supposed economic order that could not be disturbed set uh, set up a sort of legislative paralysis. So he's saying that the idea of, you know, the the free market made it so we didn't pass laws and now we're all fucked. Because remember, this is 1920 and Hoovervilles are on the way, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Continuing, the quote, the first thing needed is to get away entirely from all such preconceptions to recognize that the, quote, natural order of society based on the, quote, natural liberty does not correspond with real justice and real liberty at all, but works injustice at every turn. And at every turn, intrusive social legislation must seek to prevent such injustice, end quote. So I just thought that was really fun because the fucking the the. (laughs) the origin of this quote that's been bastardized over almost a hundred years was from a guy who would probably tell these tea party people to go fuck themselves and that we should have a welfare state. And yeah, the people who use the, you know, socialism, uh, in heaven where they don't need it and socialism in hell where they already have it. The people who have that quote obviously haven't read acts two, which is considered to be the most socialist chapter of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, uh, I don't know if I've told you guys or if I've shared this on this podcast before, but when I was a young little Christian and I was first coming up and I was first reading the Bible for myself, you know, I was reading through and I was reading through Acts and I brought up to one of my pastors, right? I'm So I was 16 at the time. I mean, I would have been a Christian for maybe like five months at this point. And I was like, hey, yeah, you know, when you look at this passage in the Bible, it looks awfully like socialism. Isn't that weird? And this guy just fucking lost his mind on me. <laughs> He's like, there's no socialism in the Bible. And like, but like, I mean, obviously well, now I look back and he was like, I mean, he was completely Christian nationalist, very hard right at the time. Christ almighty. This was a pastor. That doesn't frighten me at all. And this was, this is, this was in 2010. Of course it was. Oh, or Jesus. actually before 2010, but 2007. So, okay. So we got a few clips. Yes. But so, okay. So far, right. We've, co- we've covered a lot. Um, uh, Jay, you were kind of the one that sort of tipped me to the fact that Ginny sucks and has sucked for a long time. I, and I told you, I had no idea what you're talking about. It, it, is any of this new to you at all? Honestly, a lot of it is, um, because 
I had just known the stories about her affiliation to all these groups, but I didn't know how deep it went. I thought it was just kind of on the order of, you know, her with Mark Meadows, just kind of texting and supporting the groups and maybe speaking in favor. But I did not know she was straight up lobbying for them. Yeah. I mean, would it, would it surprise you if I told you that that group Liberty central um, raised about 2 million bucks in the case of, in the course of two years and then went defunct, who knows where the money went. I think I know where the money went. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, officially, they could do those kind of rug pulls, right? right? Exactly. Thank you, man. Fucking, they were do, and they did it before crypto. They, uh, Ginny got 120 grand in salary per annum, I believe, or total. I'm not sure. And um, there was like 800 thousand bucks in quote unquote unspecified expenses. So Just food, yeah, gas, hotels. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Unspecific food and unspecific. Very unspecific food. Yeah. 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 So I forget which one it was. I think it was one of the big ones that we'll talk about next week. Oh, it was the, it was the, um, um, council for national policy. They once had to justify, I believe it was them. They once had to justify to the IRS why they hold all their meetings in luxury hotels. And their answer was because that's what all of our members are used to. (laughs) That that's their answer. We're rich. Fuck you. So, <laughs> so I'd comment on that. But we'll get into that next week. Um, so you know that whole thing right there with the with the the origin of that that bullshit Reagan quote. That was just kind of a long way of saying that Ginny Thomas, when she was speaking just now, was either being willfully ignorant or she was lying through misrepresentation. I honestly think it's the former. I I think she's willfully ignorant. I don't think she cares. I, I Google existed in 2010. I don't think she gives a shit. I think anything attached to Reagan that was given to her by one of her old heritage foundation buddies, she just takes as the gospel. No pun intended. I mean, I know she made money, but I really, I don't think it was about the grift for her at this point, you know? Um, but that, that's just my read. Yeah. Why wouldn't she trust these people? Cause I mean, she's had relationships with them for, you know, many years at this point, she knows them personally. So why would, why would they give her bad information? Right? Yeah. And I, this is a limited sample, but it's like, uh, Jay, do you, do you have a read like more grift or, or true believer? I, I think she's a true believer and it's the rhetoric, like the, the whole, this is a psyop thing and the text, uh, going back 10 years, the, the martyrdom, uh, the, the, I'm a victim. Everyone's out to get us. Like she believes this shit. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, I gotta tell you, it's not going to get any better from here, guys. It's, it's your, the, the best I save the best for last. I promise you. But, um, you know, Jenny, uh, we're going to stay in this speech in 2010, right, for now. And she keeps up for, she keeps this up for several minutes, right? Her whole speech is designed to create a sense of fear that we talked about earlier. A fear of the other, fear of the impending doom, the, the existential crisis. And, you know, she includes during her, her ranting um, a dubious report about death threats against one of her old bosses. Our current government sees the Constitution and the words written in that document as an inconvenience and an impediment, something to be misinterpreted and twisted so that they can have power over our lives. Even though their initial act of governance, all of them, on all sides, is to take an oath of allegiance to that document. 
They're concentrating power faster than ever in hopes that it'll be too late to stop their changes. There's a culture of corruption in Washington where dissent is stifled, friends are rewarded, enemies are punished, and in my lifetime it's never been this bad or this blatant. I I'm telling you there's death threats, there's intimidation, there's very thuggish behavior that is not being reported in the mainstream media. And you guys know it, and if you don't know it, you should know. I just heard today, this morning, as I was getting ready, that Dick Armey's organization, Freedom Works, has had to move its office based on death threats to a more secure location. So they play very much a hardball game on the other side. It goes underreported. Yeah, yeah, baby. Hardball game. That's what I'm talking Dick about. Dick Army plays a hardball game. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. No, no, his, his enemies, his enemies play the hardball you game, know, Joe. I, I, I've been fighting the urge to be a 13-year-old this whole show. <laughs> they just keep laying it out. Yep. Yep. I think we all have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and and she says a lot there, you know, again, um, the the this this existential threat bullshit but it's that part at the end you know it was all frame up for that um and joe i think i saw you laugh when uh, when you when they mentioned freedom works um are are you familiar actually are either of you familiar with freedom works as an organization no loosely i've heard of it in the background before so so freedom works is the og of the tea party movement these guys were Tea Party before they coined the phrase. Okay. So Freedom Works was founded, sort of founded, in 2004. In reality, it was a group that split off from a much older group. That older group was found was formed in 1984. It's called the Citizens for a Sound Economy. Citizens for a Sound Economy was uh, <laughs> founded by David and Charles Koch. So... When you hear people say, say that less. this, so when you hear people say this all began with Coke brother money and shit like that, this is probably what they're referring to. Okay. Um, oh, and you want to know who the current chairman of uh, uh, Freedom Works is? Uh, Ron Paul. Ron motherfucking Paul. That guy's still relevant. Nah, he's still alive. I mean, the guy can still fundraise off of like anti communism. Uh, fear mongering so i guess so yep yep so yeah that's that's freedom works just as a by the way and um oh so i found one article about the thing that she's talking about right the the death threats right that that uh that her old boss army is talking about so only one reference from a quote-unquote news outlet it's from newsmax okay <laughs> so newsmax it was existed back then or it's like yes, a throwback article no, it's Newsmax. It was in 2010. They're not... Hmm. So they weren't nearly what they are now, but hmm. they were still pretty bad, you know? So, uh, yeah, this was actually published on August 26th, which is the day before Jenny's doing this little speech, okay? Um, you know, there's not much to it. Uh, I, I'll Again, I'll link it in the show notes, but basically people were reporting uh, at, at, at FreedomWorks were reporting that voicemails were being left that were like, you know, profane... Uh, profanity laced tirades but so fucking what i guess is my answer to that um 
Let's see uh, from the article, uh, quote, yes, it's constant and we are going to have to move up uh, to Capitol Hill. Freedom Works spokesman Adam Brandon tells Newsmax. Um, yeah, so that's that's, so that's the fun. one phone call is constant. Yeah, stuff like that. Oh, by the way, Adam Brandon, he's the current uh, head of um, Freedom Works. He wasn't back then. So, yeah, it's like from the article, the threats are coming. In. This is from the um, the writer of the article, a uh, David Patton. Yeah. Uh, The threats are coming in via phone and email and have escalated to the point that the organization has decided it must move into a high security building near the Capitol building. Oh, and this is from Brandon, right? At the time, uh, quote, it's not like we think there's an imminent threat coming tomorrow. It's that it just doesn't stop the phone calls. Uh, And we're concerned that somebody someday is going to have a screw loose, right? That's it. That's literally it. (laughs) That's it. That's all they got. Uh, oh, 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 one recorded message stated, we are going to destroy and obliterate Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity. Those two guys are dead. <laughs> but Brandon, again, spokesperson for the company, quote, we've all just kind of just gotten used to it to an extent. You just uh, let it go to voicemail and then you move on. So that's it. That's that's all it was. Wow. That's like mild for like a normal person today's standards. That's nothing, right? That that's a big nothing burger. I you know how I read that? I read that as they were making a lot of money in 2010 and they wanted to upgrade their office and they used that to like score points in the media. You know, cuz they're supposed to be like of the people type shit and how would it look if they upgraded their offices, right? Oh, these people are also like born paranoid too, so I mean True. If you just look at them the wrong way, oh shit, a black man is trying to kill me and I need need to set up all the defenses. Like these people are just Mm -hmm. fearful. Yeah, gated communities, you know, phone calls to the police for anyone they quote unquote don't recognize. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the fucking worst, you know, is just like, oh, I don't recognize him. Like, so what? <laughs> come on, come on, say it. I know you want to say it. Go ahead and say it. You know. Uh, anyways, um, yeah, that's pretty weak sauce. Um, but it's also probably a, a a nice bit of spin on Jenny's part because there was something else that was happening in 2010. Okay, um, I found an article uh, written by Michael Cooper, writing for the New York Times, and this was written on March 10th, so a few months earlier that year, March 10th of 2010. Um, Cooper reported that threats of violence and acts of vandalism were actually rampant uh, that year uh, politically and mostly being directed towards Democrats. All right. So, for example, the brother of a Democratic official had the gas line to his house cut intentionally (laughs) Uh, from the article, quote, The house had been mistakenly listed on the blog of a Tea Party activist as the home of the Congressman Tom Perriello, a first-term Democrat representing Southern Virginia. But the damage that took place on Tuesday was no blunder, the authorities said. Uh, The writer also went on to say that um, there was a a letter included with uh, some white powder that was found um, (laughs) at the office of not yet convicted criminal Anthony Weiner, right? Because, I mean, this is 2010. That, that shit didn't come out yet. Uh, that guy's a creep. But, 
Somebody sent white powder to uh, to Wiener's uh, office. Turned out to be not dangerous, but the letter that was accompanying it referenced uh, the Affordable Care Act, which is really what all this is about. They're pissed mm-hmm. about the ACA, or Obamacare, as I called it. So, anyway, we get the idea. Right, guys? Uh, I could give more examples of Jenny re- referring to the Founding Fathers and all that bullshit and their intentions, but I won't. Uh, we... We, I think we get the gist of it at this point. So, you know, she complains about lobbyists and political consultants, too, and the mainstream media. So I just want to finish off with these ones right here. It's funny that she's complaining about lobbyists and political consultants because that's literally what she is. Professional political consultants are a problem, too. They reassure elected officials that citizens will continue to be fooled by the nice titles by the demagoguery, by the focus group talking points that they design based on polling and testing. The Washington games continue by the political consultants, and that's a big part of this equation. The mainstream media, they used to pride themselves on gotcha journalism. Remember Bob Woodward with Richard Nixon's abuse of power? Where are they now? So I just want to be clear. She's referring to uh, Woodward and Bernstein's uh, expose on the Watergate scandal as gotcha journalism. Just want to be clear about that. I mean, they've gone to. Uh, I was just going to say it is gotcha. They they got him. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, technically that's true, but I, I think usually gotcha journalism. I think she's trying to reduce it to like, um, oh, what about they get him on a show? It's like, what about this tweet? where you mm-hmm. don't like dogs or, or something, you know? <laughs> she reduced one of the biggest political scandals of the 20th century to that. But, okay, fine. Sleep or become lap dogs for those with power right now, based on the reality that I see at the front lines. The economy is sputtering. The people are rebelling. But nothing is slowing this train down. I ask you to compare that with the fact when George Bush had social security or immigration proposals and the country rebelled and was vocal, it slowed the agenda down, didn't it? It's not slowing this agenda down, my friends, and that should tell us something. It's a very hard-driven agenda, ideological agenda that's at work. Okay, so to be clear, she's complaining that there isn't as much like action in the streets against President Obama who's only been in office for like two years compared to, you know, the demonstrations against the Bush administration. And, and if I'm not mistaken, she's complaining that they didn't cut down the ACA even more from being like, you know, a single health or single payer system or anything yep. like that. Yep. Yeah, she did. They didn't do enough to, to hamstring it, you know, and, and sorry, Jay. No, I'm just, what is it going to take? For these people to see the writing on the wall, there 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 weren't protests because people weren't angry. Dude, yes, yes. Like you're, you're the only one that's angry. <laughs> no, you, you, Jay, you nailed it. You you beat me to it. That's you, she kind of told on herself a little bit there, right? Mm-hmm. I. I, I mean, the comparison that she uses, Bush versus Obama, that's indicative of something. You know, uh, unlike that logical conclusion that that Jay has come to, Jenny believes that instead of that, right, there's some sort of elite ruling class that's suppressing this super real and not astroturfed conservative movement, right? Versus, alternatively, um, 
the social movements against the Bush era policies were more organic and thus there were more actual people in the streets. I I mean, it, you know, she sees, she hears hooves and she sees fucking zebras. You know, it's, that's all this is. She sees enemies everywhere. You know, the, the paranoia is, is, is seeping through. So this just goes on and on and she issues more warnings and she tells the audience to listen to Rush Limbaugh and Mark Levin and Laura Ingram again in 2010, mind you. And, uh, oh, also you should follow Matt Drudge and Fox news. Ooh, uh, Drudge Report. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. a throwback. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, and you should listen to the Tea Party movement in general. And, oh, and also support Michelle Bachman and Steve King, a racist and a racist. So I'll point that out. Um, she uh, she plugs her dumbass website again, and it's all about that mailing list, baby. Uh, she sprinkles that into the remainder of her time. Um, never let true belief get in the way of the grift. I believe she's a true believer. I agree with you guys, but there's still that grift. You got to make that money, okay? So, Yeah. That's Ginny, deeply involved with the Tea Party from the jump, everyone, all right? So now we're going to fast forward to 2016 real quick, okay? Um, to recap, Ginny, in the intervening years, very politically active, and she was a vocal supporter of Ted Cruz until Trump won the GOP primary. Then magically, her unwavering uh, principles shifted, and she embraced the uh, would-be god king of the far right, you know, so here she is uh, offering commentary at a press conference on November 9th of 2016, obviously after the election. And uh, I call this one Ginny Kisses the Ring. Thank you, Tony. Now we come to the end of the alphabet. Uh, we'll hear from Ginny Thomas, national delegate from Virginia and president of Liberty Consulting. Uh, she her Liberty Central went defunct. So now she has a new company, Liberty Consulting. Thank you so much, Richard. It is a pleasure to be here with many of my friends and where we linked our shields and fought a good fight. And I just want to give credit and honor and glory to God, first of all, for answered prayers. People around this country realized that we were moving far too far left and it was time for a change. And okay, so real quick, uh, people prayed and the answer was Donald Trump. What was it? <laughs> you tried you to keep a straight face. <laughs> Once again, in an attempt to remain respectful here, <laughs> um, I think, like we were saying before, it. I think this disproves that she's a true believer, uh, in, and that's why she tries to steal money from people to do it <laughs> to continue uh her tirade and you know it's interesting how she shifts her along with all of them they were like well i mean we we have our principles supposedly but fuck we need power and that guy won so we're just gonna pretend like we were on board with this you know <laughs> We're just going to go with this and, and add that thanking God thing. Like we're like, you know, like we just won the Super Bowl or something, you know? So, yeah, she continues on. And I, I got to tell you, it gets a little awkward here. And Donald Trump challenged the conservative movement. That's for sure. A lot of us, it wasn't our first pick, but we have to today, uh, 27 years after the fall of the Berlin Wall, 
today might be just that big of a world event in America. And we're honored to stand with Donald Trump and honored to be his partners to achieve his agenda to the extent we can. To the extent we can. I just, these people (laughs) in the martyrdom, like what? The fall of the Berlin Wall has nothing to do like you can't. That's not a, even a remotely close comparison. <laughs> no, and, to and, and, Trump being yeah, elected president. And it's evocative of imagery that they love to use of like defeating an evil empire. So the ascension of Trump is defeating an evil empire. That's what I come and away it's with. Call back to Reaganism. Yes, it's a call back to Reaganism. Yes, and and the the communists, mind you, have you know we were just thanking God the communists. You know they were godless. You know so we got more of that going too. So that's nice. So. This, this part at the end, this part is, is really cringe. Um, I just want to also say thank you to America who f- showed up yesterday and in early voting. And thank you to the blacks. T- thank you to the Democrats. Thank you to <laughs> Hispanics and women. Thank you for union members who, who pulled away from their party, who has gone too far to the left. And I really thank you because you've, you've grown our movement. You've challenged us to think bigger and bolder and with donald trump we can do so much more and we didn't know it at the time <laughs> let's hear that one one more time hold on hold on let's just in case anyone's wondering um i just want to also say thank you to america who showed up yesterday and in early voting and thank you to the blacks <laughs> Was this around the same time <laughs> as the uh, the my African American quote? I <laughs> this was I mean it was it was November of 2016. I just oh. I can't these people, man. And <laughs> I think what makes it worse is that she's married to a person of color. Uh huh. Uh huh. Who I guess she has a black friend sense, <laughs> who doesn't have the sense to to teach her um, <laughs> how to appropriately address the community. I, I that <laughs> it's just, I like to thank the blacks. I just, I mean, mainly it's she was saying so, others. <laughs> it's, it's just so gross to me. Like, and like, what is, what does that say about what Clarence Thomas thinks of himself? Mm-hmm. to yep. be partnered with someone like this. It's, it's just and, wild. Well, and, and you know, here's the thing, dude. I believe this is the thing where we talk about true believers. I mean, and it doesn't excuse anything, but I mm-hmm. believe that she, I don't see, here's the thing. I don't actually think that was like weird ass reverse dog whistly type shit. Mm-hmm. I think she really thinks that she's like reaching out and trying to like, like win over actual supporters to the GOP because that was the scope of her message. And I, I actually believe she meant it. She's like, you know, thanking all these groups uh, that ordinarily vote stronger in numbers to the democratic party. Mm-hmm. So I think she, I, I, I don't think that was a shot. I think she, I think that was a shot at the Democrats. It's like, Hey, look, we got your voters. Ha ha ha. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, and like I said, to me, it's, it's not about what she said. It's about how she's saying it. The fact that, she doesn't know how to address a community in the yeah, right way. Yeah, yeah, it's pure ignorance. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I 100% agree. Again, no, 
no excuses for her on that point. It was so, I mean, to, to call it awkward is to be very, very generous to her, you know, in that regard. I just call um, it weird. Yeah, it is. She is fucking weird, man. <laughs> and I, I think, I, I think I've got enough ammo to say that she's fucking weird, you know? And, you know, and a lot of that message, I know we sort of fixate on that part because it was really awkward and weird, but a lot of what we just heard, that was that was Ginny basically trying to quickly rush past the fact that the GOP opposed Trump initially, you know what I mean, as president. And that's just them retconning, being like, oh, yeah, we didn't know that he's, you know, he's Batman. He's not the hero that we wanted, but he's the one we need or or, or some shit. I don't know what she thinks she's trying to prove there, but... You know, as as we know, that opposition to Trump did not last because they want power. And I just want to play this last part in case there's any doubt of her intentions because she doubles down on the cringy parts. And then, strange, strange as this is, she actually foreshadows what is to come. We just thank you for holding steady, all you people, the small business people who are struggling. I know when I was in Virginia uh, working precincts and polls, holding signs on the street, it was a little focus group this last week. And I saw so many working men and women, blacks, Hispanics, uh, plumbers, wall fixers, painters. It was incredible. What, was what the fuck is a wall fixer? I don't work in construction. I think she, I don't think she knew the term. I don't think she knows the term carpenter or, 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 you know, hanging sheetrock or whatever, you know, sheetrocker. She, she's just like, Oh, what's something that blue collar people do? They fix walls. Yeah. Somebody fixed my wall, you know? And, and you know what? Hearing her say it again, it really makes me wonder if, you know, I talked about her husband, not teaching her how to address the community. That probably is how he taught her to adjust the community because there's a certain segment of African-American people who are just like, I want to be called black. There's some who say I want to be called colored. There's people who just, they have the the way they want to be addressed from whatever it came from. And even though it sounds weird when she says it that way, like maybe, maybe that's what's going on there. I'm trying to give her, trying to throw a bone here. And, you know, the, I'll, I'll be honest, the read I get is it reminds me of when we were talking about Larry Elder just a little bit, mm-hmm. like a certain attitude towards your own community. And that's kind of what that harkens back to for me, because, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, like I said, Clarence Thomas is a highly educated Washington elite in the one of the highest seats of power. You know, I, I if there's any if there's ever a life that primed a person to believe in the concept of like, oh, just do well and you can get through it. Look at me. It could be Clarence Thomas. It could be very well. That's the type of shit that he thinks, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I mean, to be fair, I don't have any evidence of that. I'm sure if I looked hard enough, I could probably find that meritocracy garbage. But I mean, yeah, I, I maybe maybe that's exactly what he thinks, you know? So we move on because she keeps going. She keeps getting cringy and she start. She keeps foreshadowing shit was out there and it, it blew my mind and it stretched my awareness of listening to the grassroots as Jenny Beth knows so well. So I think too many of us in Washington live in a bubble and I think it's time to listen to the real people. And I just met, close with one request. I thank Donald, I not only thank Donald Trump for the magnanimity in which he um, spoke to the country last night. Uh, Okay, gonna pause there. Uh, To be magnanimous is to be lofty and king-like. 
okay? <laughs> no. Fucking no. Just no. Just want to point that out. Continue. But I thank Hillary Clinton and I thank Barack Obama for acceding to this ballot uh, battle that happened in, in America. To real quick, the word accede means to, to submit to something. So good for them. Because it's not Madison, Wisconsin today. Uh, but for some people, the rhetoric is out of control. For some people, there's threatened violence and there's intolerance. And I just call on Democrat leaders to control your groups on the far left and try to help them stand up to what makes America great, which is the peaceful transformation of power. i've been fighting that that doesn't age well this i've I've been really fighting the urge to say this um because maybe she just doesn't speak well in public or (laughs) is nervous but she sounds like someone who's trying to sound a lot smarter than she actually is Uh it doesn't make any sense because like you said if you look at her credentials She's well educated. She shouldn't yes, have to very try much so. and sound smarter than she actually is. And it's just, <laughs> I, like I said, it's weird. That's that's the theme of tonight's episode to me. Um, yeah, she's Thomas weird as shit. It's a little weird. Just yeah. a little weird. Agreed. Uh, I, w- I mean, I wish she could help it's me just, explain. It's <laughs> just more proof that even in today's society, you don't have to be smart to get credentials. Nope. Because <laughs> I think everybody out there knows someone that they've worked for that was a complete fucking idiot. Yeah, absolutely. And as I said, she foreshadowed something. Because remember what she said. She asked the, well, I sort of she did. She asked the left to get their people under control in defense of the most American thing, a peaceful transition of power. Fast forward five years. And look what happened. Just saying. She said peaceful transformation. <laughs> Which is just, it made me, that's what, why I called it out. Like, is she, <laughs> like, she's just trying so hard and you just don't need to try that hard. That's all. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. And that, that was all very stupid, right? And cringy. Um, her thanking quote unquote the blacks among others that was that was lovely thanks for that um <laughs> I still can't get over that I I don't even know like like I keep saying like how <laughs> <laughs> Matt, Matt are you gonna put that in the show Curtis now or are you just gonna thank the blacks oh yeah yeah absolutely that's that's gonna be in the notes uh, in quotes in quotes for sure but of yeah, course, yeah. But you know, like I said, that was 2016. You know, she Ginny fell in lockstep with the rest of the GOP behind their future God King Trump. They had to because you know it's it's him or a, or a seed <laughs> to the Democrats. And you know, uh, in the inter in the intervening years, right between then and 2020, uh, 2020 election, you know, Ginny, she fully leaned into Trumpism. You know, she met with Trump on several occasions, um, one most infamously in 2019 for a full hour uh, where she was haranguing him that he wasn't putting enough MAGA people into appointed seats of power. Um, Oh, 
Also in 2019, according to The Intercept, she announced her intention to form a supergroup with lots of responsibilities, and one of which uh, is protecting Donald Trump. Uh, though they didn't specify from what or who. And this is according to materials obtained by The Intercept. Um, apparently, Ginny uh, has been including some very increasingly paranoid rants in her speeches. Uh, this is from that article. Quote, Last October, the Council on National Policy held another gathering in Charlotte, North Carolina, at which Thomas gave a presentation on the state of the election and her views of the challenges ahead. The hard left, Thomas said at the time, is in control of the Democrat Party. She continued, they're pushing and pulling at the party, and they're also controlling the media and corporations and Hollywood and education, and we're in the minority in our country. Thomas warned that the fascist left had encouraged violence over the hearings to confirm Judge Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court and would continue waging a cultural war against conservatives. That war included, she said, a push to use rainbow flags and send powerful, subtle messages against conservatives. She also cited the left-wing shooter who arrived at the congressional baseball game in 2017 to target GOP lawmakers. Uh, we all have guns and concealed carry, Thomas said, to handle what's coming. Has she been watching too much Fox News? <laughs> so at that point, she believes Fox News isn't good enough. It's OAN or nothing, baby. Oh, oh. Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 yep. So she is quickly, she's, sl- she's going downhill fast, guys. This is, this is, this is getting dangerous. Now, to, you know, demonstrate where Ginny is mentally now and why we even touched on this, the one message that I left out at the beginning, right? This is the first one that was sent, according to uh, Mark Meadows. This was on November 5th, if you go all the way back up to the top there, right? So... Uh, November 5th, two days after the 2020 election from Boston Globe, uh, Thomas sent a link to a YouTube video that referenced Steve Pachenik. Pachenik is a former State Department official who has pushed conspiracy theories. The post said the video is no longer available on YouTube. From Thomas, I hope this is true. Never heard anything like this before or even a hint of it. Possible? And then she goes on to quote uh, the uh, some stuff from the, the video. Watermark ballots in over 12 states have been part of a huge Trump and military white hat sting operation in 12 key battleground states. Biden crime family and ballot fraud co-conspirators, elected officials, bureaucrats, social media, censorship mongers, fake uh, fake stream media reporters, etc., are being arrested and detained for ballot fraud right now and over coming days and will be living in barges off Gitmo to face military tribunals for sedition. Again, that last part is a passage that was making the rounds in right-wing message board. She didn't write that herself, but she sent that to Meadows along with her message, I hope this is true. So we got all that? We got all that? Wow. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like, like that's a special flavor of Kool-Aid right there. <laughs> um, <laughs> do either of you know who Steve Pachenik is? And I, I, nope. Nope. You, sh- you shouldn't know him. So he's a longtime regular on the Alex Jones show and InfoWars. He's one of those. Okay. So 
Um, even if you Google him, I can tell you, you probably won't come up with a reliable bio. I know this because I, one of my favorite uh, podcasts is Knowledge Fight that specifically makes fun of Alex Jones and InfoWars, okay? And, you know, I, I trust I trust the what they put out. And basically, here's the problem. Steve Pachanik lies about himself so often, you can't be sure of what his real work experience is. What I can tell you is that he did work. He probably worked for the federal government in the seventies and the eighties. Pretty sure about that. Okay. Um, maybe with the CIA, he might have been involved in negotiations to get back the kidnapped head of state uh, Morrow. Um, and his first big fuck up was telling a news outlet that George H.W. Bush was clinically depressed in 2002 and he was charged with ethics violations by the American Psychiatric Association. Uh, and he subsequently told them to fuck themselves and took his ball and went home. He just quit the APA pretty much. <laughs> I mean, that's a response. That's a response. He later claimed that 9-11 was perpetrated by the CIA, CIA and Sandy Hook was a false flag. So, mm. we're getting the picture? Mm-hmm. All right. So, on November 5th, you know, they mentioned that the, the post, uh, the, um, the YouTube video was taken down. But fa- thankfully, the internet at large is a horrid hellscape, and I was able to find it pretty easily, okay? So, on November 5th, Steve Pachenik is talking to InfoWars peon Owen Schroyer, who, by the way, um, is currently being sued in the Sandy Hook lawsuits and also uh, took uh, is in violation of his federal probation for being at the Capitol on, on uh, January 6th. So, he's very much a federal... Good, cr- fuck him. Yeah, yeah, he's a federal criminal. So, Owen Schroyer, not yet a federal criminal at that point, or at least not in violation of his probation, uh... Uh, Steve tells Owen that the election was not stolen and it was an elaborate trap to uh, trap the Biden crime family. So hold on to your seats. This is Steve Pachenik. This is really a sting operation. Contrary to what everybody else said, Trump knew this was happening. Eric knew this was happening and warned the public. I knew this was happening. However, I could not say anything about it. What happened was we marked, watermarked every ballot with what's called the QFS blockchain encryption code. In other words, we know pretty well where every ballot is, where it went, and who has it. So this is not a stolen election. On the contrary, we reversed the entire game of war along the lines of Sun Tzu, the art of war. And Trump was brilliant and still is brilliant at it. The re- okay, okay, wait, wait, wait. Let's, that, let's just stop there for a second. Let's. <laughs> He's just like throwing out like techno words and then just like, yeah, it's like a GPS tracker. He's like the meandering old man at Starbucks. You just hope we'll stop talking. That's why I don't. Like, people listen to people like this and take them seriously? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> he was, he, so QFS, the quantum financial system, okay? This is a nonsensical conspiracy theory based on the belief that in the 1980s, the U.S. passed into law a new financial system that would eventually revalue all currencies to be equal, okay? So, like, the dollar would be the same as uh, the ruble. Got it? It, it, it's a conspiracy theory born of like fear of the globalists. You see that there'll be one one government system, one global currency. Okay. 
So that's what he's talking about. And my, by the way, a guy named Mike Rothschild, he actually wrote extensively about the QAnon conspiracy, and this is actually part of it. PolitiFact asked him about this part of Steve Pachenik's claims and this is Rothschild's response quote the gist is that at some point all currencies will be quote revalued to have the same exchange rate possibly pegged to gold or the dollar taxes and debt will be wiped away and anybody holding vast amounts of low value currency like the Iraqi dinar or the Vietnamese dong will instantly be wealthy it's absolute nonsense so I don't even want to dig into how much sense that did not make (laughs) (laughs) so when i was asking if you guys have bought any dinar there have been (laughs) there have been reports multiple reports of people getting losing a shitload of money on this like that that's a new take on the iraqi dinar uh, scam to me yeah 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 you like that yeah so people have been actually taking their real life hard-earned money and trying to do forex exchange with iraqi dinar 100 percent. they have 100 percent bought it And, um, yeah. The Iraqi dinar scam has been around for decades. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this particular flavor of it is them thinking that, you know, Trump was going to do the revalue, which they refer to in online posts as RV, and then they're all going to be fucking rich or something. Which, I mean, I'm no economist, but I'm pretty sure that's not how anything works. But whatever. Anyways, uh, continuing to the main point reason he hasn't been seen and Alex correctly said oh I haven't seen him in several days well in the art of the war you pull back allow your enemy to make all the mistakes that they are making manipulate the situation expose them and then come in for the final killing and that's what's happening now none of this was unexpected all of this was expected all of this is part of the sting operation we're running and let me tell you that 48 hours ago not only did we put markers on those ballots but i can say now with the permission of people in the intelligence community and elsewhere that we have sent out thousands and thousands of national guards to 12 different states washington delaware texas arizona alabama and everywhere I would like to remind everybody that you're listening to the video that Ginny Thomas sent to Mark Meadows asking, hey, is this real? So, yes. Um, there you go. Uh, oh, and uh, by the way, you guys remember the Cyber Ninjas in Arizona? Oh, yeah. How could I forget the Cyber Ninjas? <laughs> yes, yes. Well, you might remember that at one point they were using ultraviolet lights to scan uh, ballots. Guess why they did it? They were looking for the QFS secret watermark crypto blockchain thingies. I thought that was connected to the paper being bamboo or something like that. So that was a bit of so that was a bit of spin. Um, they they it, it's hard to tell, but at one point, like it completely they they say that. I mean, I'm getting conspiracy here. I don't believe it. That that which conspiracy is it? Well, because that's the thing. That's another conspiracy. Was the ba- the bamboo fibers right? Did you get? Did you hear the one about the boat from North Korea? I, I yeah, I think I heard about yeah, that. One. Yeah, there yeah, was yeah. Just, there was just so many of them. Just like <laughs> the whole the whole time, I'm just like every time I hear one of these, I'm just like, how does it work? What's the goddamn point of it? Uh huh. Because like. What what is it? Is this because according to this, it's like a stamp, 
an invisible stamp that acts like a GPS tracker on the blockchain. The yeah. fuck? <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and but it, but it's okay because um in, in later in that little interview, um Owen and Steve make crystal clear um that Trump is super brilliant and was in no way lying about election fraud and also Steve can totally explain how this all works. So how is this watermark on the ballots what, what is the significance of that as to is it going to stop from fake ballots being counted or or how is that going to be used well we use it in any way that we need to use it in terms of counting knowing which ones were fake which ones were not it's a very sophisticated code so if you just throw them away these are cyber communication uh implementations that we have the code for we know exactly what was thrown away we know exactly what was placed we know exactly who has it, and we know exactly where it went. I can't go any further than that. Wow, this is uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he sure as hell can't go any further than that. <laughs> nope. He no, he's totally full of shit. Obviously. <laughs> like, how does somebody get that much confidence to talk? <laughs> I can pull that much shit out of your ass live on air. He's been going on InfoWars and doing this for like, I think a couple decades. Um, he just... He he just fucks with Alex Jones. That's that's pretty much his hobby. He's retired. He, he does this from his house down in like Florida. You know? I, I think he just gets bored. But yeah, yeah. He clearly... He's just like, oh yeah, it's very scientific. Uh, cyber fucking specialists and can't say more than that. So... Huge news that Steve Pachenik is breaking on our show right now. For me to reiterate, I guess in my own words, President Trump and his administration and friendlies inside the White House in D.C. have launched a sting operation knowing this Democrat fraud was coming. And, you know, Steve, you said Trump's been talking about this for months. Months. Actually, it's really been years. This is from President Trump on October 10th, 2012. He said, it doesn't matter who you vote for. It matters who is counting the votes. End quote. Be careful of voter fraud. So he's obviously known about this forever. I mean, is this the genius of Trump playing out? I mean, long term. Yeah. Trump is far more brilliant than people understood. Yeah, I'm fucking sure. Man, these guys just love the taste of boot. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly don't even want to give these guys any more of my brain power. Like, they're yeah, my yeah. Brain power. <laughs> I, I, I know, I know. I just, I will comment that that's really nice how Owen Schroyer kind of stuck that one in the end. Like, it's not that Trump has been like the source of all this like voter fraud garbage. It's that he was actually right the whole time, and this totally not made up blockchain watermark is the is the smoking gun that proves it. You know. <laughs> But yeah, again, we're, 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 I, I'm, I'm diving into knowledge fight territory and they do this way better. So I, I, I'll just, I'll leave this to them. But, you know, like I said, that's, that's, that is the latest iteration of Ginny Thomas that I've found. And, you know, looking at her gave me an opportunity to view the evolution of this hard right movement through the eyes of one person. Ginny has been operating as a lobbyist on behalf of big business since the mid 1980s. But at some point, she forgot where the grift ended and the conspiracies began. It's the only explanation I can come up with is she truly lost her mind. You know, I just I want to say if if she ever had her own mind to begin with. She has a I, maybe, mind, but maybe she's just 
because if anything, that's what these past few years have exposed to us, that there's a lot of people, um, you know, perceivably smart who are just easily swayed and easily indoctrinated. And it sounds like they got her. She believes. Well, and honestly, she's kind of lived a life where she's never had to actually think beyond that. You know, she's never had to face up to the hard truths of the things that she's actually promoting, you know, like, I mean, that, that's kind of what, what woke me up was from being a supporter of all that was getting hit in the face with having to work and, you know, being, well, fucking poor, just wakes you up. Yeah. That, that fake populism amounted to exactly nothing, no money in your pocket, no health insurance, you know? Exactly. And it, it, it's worked out great for her. So why change something that's not broken for her? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Made, she's arguably made millions of dollars over the years working for these private interest groups, you know, and she's not going to stop now. I mean, why the hell should she? Like you said. And, and why would the real grifters like try to be like, hey, you know, this is just a grift to her because if she's a true believer going along with it, then they can kind of all hide behind her, their malicious intent. True, true. Look, people, you know, people are concerned about Ginny Thomas and her influence over Clarence Thomas uh, or uh, the reverse, that she's just a mouthpiece for Clarence Thomas, who was like this the whole time. I'd venture to say that Ginny's representative, really, that our main concern would be that she is representative of an increasingly violent political ideology occurring in real time, and one that has raised countless millions of dollars and arguably caused the first attempted insurrection against the federal government in over 200 years. I, It, it, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't have to be more than that to be alarming, you know, but I, I, I guess we're just going to keep riding this train, you know, I don't know. I, I learned way more about Jenny Thomas and the tea party than I ever thought I would. And I cannot believe how fucking batshit she is. Like I, I didn't believe it, but she's, she's fucking gone, you know? I thought, and that's I, what I, I learned. Keep questioning. Like, I just, I hope there's a way to bring these people back in and make them more normal. Like, I don't, I don't care if you have conservative ideals. I just care if you think that there's secret QR codes on our ballots. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You don't care what someone thinks like of economic policy, but the fact that like you don't live in reality anymore, you know, that's troubling. If it, if it were just simple like economic or social policy differences, but when those social policy differences are, you know, hurting other people, that you know, that's sorry, can't do that. And, and it's not only that; it's like when you have enough people who get together and they believe in these social or economic policies, and the basis for that belief is quasi-religious or religious, then we've gone beyond discussing anything i can't you know i can't i this is why you know we don't have a theocracy because there's no going back from that doctrine says we will fucking fuck with the poor and being rich is godly that's it the god said so there's no debate to be had yeah um it took 10 years for her to go from beltway insider to 
helping prop up the lies that led to an insurrection. So not bad. Not bad, Jenny. Pretty good for you. Made a lot of money along the way. Uh, fuck. Did we learn anything? I, I learned she's nuts. That's that's all I got. I hope she can come back, but I doubt it. I learned that we need to start a movement so that the spouses of federal appointees cannot go lobby the government. <laughs> At least not to this extent, for Christ's sake. This to me is just as bad as them being able to trade stocks and things like that. Fair, fair. Seriously, uh, there was something that you said early on in the podcast, Matt, that that just kind of made me like think, and I'm just like, fuck, we really are in a failed state because we have a legislative branch that doesn't legislate. We have a judicial branch now that is severely compromised. And so what do we have left? We have an executive branch. We have a strongman branch. Yep. So the democratic system is broken down. Yeah, we're, we're bad at this. We're really bad at this. Huh, and on that message of hope, we are going to sign off for the week. If no one else has got anything else they want to want to add in there or plug any projects you're working on, I'm getting some no's. We're all depressed, and we're going to drink. I love it. Um, all right. Well, that was our show for this week. Uh, join us next week, hopefully, and we will be back on part two of States' Rights. You remember I mentioned the Council on National Policy a few times, of which Ginny Thomas is a board member, I might add. Um, these are some interesting dudes. So we're going to, we're going to go back in history and talk about what they're doing now. Cause they really are the forefront of the state's rights bullshit in America. So we're going to get out of here. Once again, follow the show on Twitter at consequence pod. You can follow Jay on Twitter at stop talking JV. You can follow me on Twitter at stop talking Matt. I will post Joe's home address in the show notes. Sorry, Joe, you got to give the people what they want. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah baby the australian fans will know where to find you so with that uh hope everybody enjoyed yourselves keep your heads up and um shit i don't know do some phone banking for some vulnerable uh, seats out there because the it's gonna be a fucking bloodbath for the democrats this year all right have a good one everybody later <laughs>